Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church here with you today, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you would like to hear a biblical perspective on or anything that you would like to receive prayer for. We are here to pray for you. We're here to answer your questions about the Bible. Maybe there have been some things that you've been reading in the scriptures and you're unsure about what they mean or how to understand them. Maybe there's a topic that you'd like to discuss from a biblical point of view. That is what this show is here to do, is to give you a direct line to a pastor for an hour every day on this uh, 4 to 5 p.m. hour here in the Mountain Time Zone here on Calvary Live. So we are so glad that you're here with us. Give me a call. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897 for the text line. I want to welcome those of you who are listening here in Colorado and into southern Wyoming on Grace FM. We also want to welcome those who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and up into parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Wherever you're tuning in from today, we're so glad that you're with us. I also want to greet our online audience. They have an increasing number of people who listen to this show online. And the great thing about that is that when you listen online, you're not restricted by the over-the-air broadcasting uh, area. And so we have people who listen to this show and to the other programs on Grace FM uh, via the app and via the website. And I just see a map now of people tuning in all over the country, people in the northwest, in the southwest, here up and down the front range of the Rockies, into the Midwest, and on the East Coast. So wherever you're tuning in from today and however you're tuning in, we're so glad that you're with us. By the way, if you don't have the Grace FM app yet, I really encourage you to go and get that. It's totally free. You can download it from your app store or the... So from the App Store or the uh, Google Play Store on your phone or on your tablet, and it's a totally free app. You can get it, put it on your device, and then you'll be all set up. You can listen to the show anywhere in the world, anytime that you want. You can tune into uh, Grace FM with that app. Uh, so you just type in Grace FM as one word in the Play Store or in the uh, App Store for Apple. And that'll come up. It's free. You put it on your device and you can listen anywhere in the world. You can also just go to the website, which is gracefm.com, and you can listen live there as well anywhere in the world. So wherever you're tuning in from, we're so glad that you're with us. Just a reminder to our listeners on the radio on the East Coast and in the area around Tennessee, uh, you are hearing the program on a one-week delay. So if you're listening on Hope FM or on Truth FM over the air, you're hearing the show on a one-week delay, but we still want you to be involved. We want you to call in with your prayer requests and with your Bible questions, and we'll answer those, we'll pray for you, and then you guys will have the unique opportunity 
that you'll be able to tune in a week later and not only hear yourself, but take that opportunity when you're going to be on the radio and tell a friend. Tell them, hey, I'm going to be on at such and such a time on this station. You should tune in and listen to it. And Maybe that's a way that you can introduce them to that local Christian radio station that you listen on and who knows what God might do in their life through starting to listen to that program. We hear reports all the time about the ways that God is using this station and this show in people's lives. And so we want more and more people to know about it. So anything you can do to help us spread the word about Grace FM would be appreciated. And, and not just Grace FM, but this show, Calvary Live, on your local stations there on, on Hope FM and Truth FM, as well as online. We would appreciate that. And we can't wait to hear the good stories of how God is going to use this in other people's lives. I just got a message as well that the Grace FM app is also available on Apple TV and it is available on Roku devices as well. So you can listen um, in in those ways as well, in your home perhaps or on, on TV devices, maybe in your office or wherever. So uh, we encourage you to get connected in those ways as well. The number to call, 303-690-3000. or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897 for the text line. And uh, give you a few words about myself here before we go to our first caller. We've got two open lines, so still, two, uh, still a great time to call in. Um, my name, again, is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. And I am your host here every Friday on Calvary Live. Um, I've been the pastor of this church here for about eight and a half years. Uh, prior to that, I was a missionary and a pastor in Hungary for 10 years before moving here to uh, Colorado to Pastor Whitefields. Whitefields is a, an affiliated church with Calvary Chapel and Calvary Global Network and really excited about what God is doing through our family of churches here in Colorado and really around the world. Hey, we'd love to have you come and worship with us in person or online. So if you are in the Longmont area, maybe in any of the surrounding communities or within driving distance of Longmont, and you're looking for a place to worship in person, we have three in-person services every Sunday. Those are at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. So 8, 9.30, and 11 for in-person worship here at our church. Uh, we have a building that we moved into uh, within the last year. And we'd love for you to see it and be part of what God is doing here. And uh, it's, it's an exciting time for us. We're, we're really blessed and encouraged by what God is doing here at Whitefields. And so our address, our physical address, is 2950 Colorful Avenue. That's 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont, Colorado. And our zip code is 80504. And what that tells you is that we're on the east side of Longmont. So we're actually in between I-25 and downtown Longmont, and we are right on Highway 119, which is the main highway which leads between Boulder and I-25. And so just as you get, off I, uh, you get off I-25, you get onto Highway 119, you're heading towards Longmont and Boulder, then on the right, if you just look to the north, you'll see our church there, big sign, Whitefields Community Church, um, right in between downtown Longmont and I-25. We'd love to have you worship with us. Again, three in-person services. This Sunday, we are opening our nursery and our preschool. They've been closed since March of 2020. We have opened some of our children's ministry classes. These were the last ones to open, and so they are opening this Sunday. So if you have little ones, we will be ready for them. 
Uh, we do ask that you register them on our website, whitefieldschurch.com, before coming. But uh, we'd love to have you this Sunday, so 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11, with Children's Ministry at 9.30. We also have two online services. We live stream our 9.30 service and our 11 o'clock service, and you can... Um, you can tune into those on our website and on our social media. So whitefieldschurch.com or look for us on YouTube, Whitefields Community Church, and look for us on Facebook, Whitefields Community Church. We'd love to uh, have you worship with us online, even if you're not in our local area. And finally, our radio program, which airs on Grace FM, actually expanded this week. This was our first week with our expanded program. So we used to be on every weekday at 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time. And now we're on still at 2.30 p.m., but we're also on at 9.30 a.m. So you can hear us twice every weekday, 9.30 a.m. or 2.30 p.m. And now also on Sundays at 1 o'clock p.m. here in Colorado and on the Grace FM app. So we would encourage you to connect with us in those ways. Check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. Now let's go to our first caller, Linda in Berthoud, Colorado. Hi, Linda. Welcome to the program. Hi, Linda. Okay, we might have lost Linda. I can kind of hear myself, but I'm not sure that Linda can hear me. So let's go to our next caller. Let's go to Chris in Baltimore. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor. How's it going? I'm doing well. Good. So um, I'm a little confused. In the book of Revelations, I, I think it's passage 20. I, I'm not quite sure. It speaks of, in, in one in one brief uh, part, it speaks of all three, the devil, the false prophet, and the beast being cast into the lake of fire. And I'm a little confused as to which is which. I, you know, like I always thought that the false prophet would, would be the Antichrist, uh, but and I always thought that the beast was the same as the devil. So can you give me some clarification on that? Yes. Um, let me just get there real quick. And, yeah, so I'm just getting there, too, to Revelation 19, verse 20, and Revelation 20, verse 10. So let's go there. Revelation 19, verse 20 says this. The beast was captured, and with it the pro false prophet, who in its presence has done the signs by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. And so you're saying that the beast... Um, is mentioned alongside the devil. Is that right? Because here's my understanding, and I'm just seeing this corroborated by several verses, that the beast is actually a reference to the devil. But are you saying that the two are mentioned as separate um, persons in one of these verses? Three are cast cast into the lake of fire and and it's it's, it's not synonymous at the same you know it's it's kind of that they're separating as three different entities or people or whatever and right. i guess so well, well let me read to you this verse it says um verse 20 of chapter 19 the beast was captured with it the false prophet who in its presence had done signs by which it deceived those who received the mark of the beast and worshiped its image these two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, and the rest were slain by the sword. So I'm seeing two thrown into the, the lake of fire, the uh, beast and the false prophet. Um, huh. 
you could give me a minute because I'm actually driving. But I, I was, I mean, I'm looking in the King James version. I don't know if it's different from what you're looking in. Well, feel free to check it out. Um, I doubt that it's different. This is in Revelation chapter 20, and it says two right there. So, if you could give me one minute to pull over and and find this really quick, here I'm pulling over now. Sure. Yeah, so that was Revelation 20, um, verse 10. I see it's also mentioned in Revelation 19, verse 20. Oh, I'm sorry, that was actually the main verse that I was looking at. The Revelation 19, verse 20, it says literally, these two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. So my understanding is there's no difference between the devil and the beast. Those two are used synonymously. Uh, the Antichrist, in this case, is some sort of political or leader figure um, who leads many people astray, but also one of the ways that he leads people astray is by demanding that he be worshipped as God. And the false prophet is someone who comes alongside the Antichrist to encourage people in a very, you know, like religious way to worship the Antichrist. Sorry. So, well, no worries. Why don't you go ahead and uh, check that out and see if uh, it makes sense to you. If it doesn't, then I, I would just encourage you, why don't you call me back in a little bit and we'll get you back on once you've had a chance to look it over and see if uh, if that still doesn't make sense or if it does now. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to hold you uh, hold any other callers up. Um, I'll probably try and do that. See if I yeah, the, the phrase to look at there is in a chapter 19, verse 20, where it says, that's the last sentence, these two were thrown alive into the lake of fire, the beast and the false prophet. So, Well, cool. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate your call. All right. Thank you, Pastor. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, this is St. Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got one open line. Give us a call. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. I see Linda and Bertha had a prayer request. She's no longer on the line, but let's go ahead and pray for her prayer request before we go to our next caller. Uh, Linda says that she lost her mom about a year ago and her dad a week ago. It's been a very hard year. So let's pray for Linda. Heavenly Father, we lift up Linda to you um, just as she's grieving, as she's grieving the loss of her loved ones, her mother a year ago, her father a week ago. Lord, we pray that you would be with her and that you bring comfort to her. Lord, we know that you know the grief of losing those you love. Lord Jesus, you are the one who, as a man, wept over the loss of your friend, even though you knew that you would see him again. And in that same way, we weep uh, over the loss of our loved ones in this world, even if we have the hope that we will see them again in eternity. Lord, because we know that we weren't made for death and darkness, Lord, you created us for light and life. And so, Lord, our hearts break over the way that things ought to be and the way that they are not. And so, Lord, we ask that you would be with us in our, in our affliction, be with us in our sorrow, and bring comfort, we ask, to Linda even right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Linda, we're praying for you. I hope that you can still hear us, but just know this, that there are a lot of people out there praying for you, and we're really sorry that you're going through this difficult time. Let's go to our next caller, George in Baltimore, Maryland. Hi, George. Welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing, Pat? I'm doing great. Good, good. I was wondering something. Um, when it says in the Bible, where it says, uh, 
the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, is that talking about, like, um, generally speaking, where God has put you in a position where you can flourish and where you have peace at? Or I know a lot of Christians struggle with this. I'm one of them. I'm just trying to figure out that good and perfect will of God. Now, what is it? Can you explain that to me, please? Yeah. I, I would tell you this, that those words are all adjectives which are describing what the word of God is like. So that verse that you're referencing, it is um, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. So let's go ahead and just read that out. It says this. Um, let's, let's begin with verse 1. I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so that isn't to say that there is a perfect will of God and then a kind of permissive will of God. I think there is something to be said for the fact that God acts in different ways, right? That God acts sometimes uh, passively and sometimes actively. And But it isn't to say that there is uh, more than one form of God's will that we need to dif- differentiate from in, the, in, how he, in regard to our lives. Instead, those words good, acceptable, perfect, those are adjectives which describe what the will of God is like. God's will for your life is good. God's will for your life is acceptable. If you knew what it was and you could experience it, you would, you would be beyond just accepting it. You'd be pleased. And God's will for your life is perfect. He knows exactly what you need. Well, one person I like put it this way. He said, God will, if you are in Christ and you pray, right? God will always give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything that he knows. That's the idea there. God's will for you is good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. Does that make sense? How about, well, yeah, but how about being in the place of God that God specifically has for you and ordained you for? Yes. Or whatever. That's a great, great question. That's really one more of calling, right? And, And walking in the will of God. Something I've told my church this past Sunday, and I think it brought a lot of people a lot of clarity and comfort from the the responses I received. Think about it like this. A lot of people think that God has a blueprint for their life, but rather than just a blueprint, uh, God has given us something better. When it comes to our lives, he gives us a game plan. Now think about the difference between a blueprint and a game plan. A blueprint is very rigid. There's not a lot of room for, well, there's no room for error in a blueprint. If you uh, mess up the blueprints, you know, one area, well, then you just messed up the entire thing. You're going to have to tear it all down and start over. And so if that's the way God works in our lives, you know, that's where you get people who are saying, you know, I want to be right in the middle of God's will for my life. And, you know, maybe I, I made some mistakes in the past and I got off track of God's will. Maybe I married the wrong person. Maybe I went to the wrong school. Maybe I accepted the wrong job. Maybe I missed an opportunity. And now that opportunity has gone and I've basically derailed God's plan for my life. And now I've just messed it all up. And there, everything from now on, this is going to be second best. It's going to be plan B. And I, I missed out on plan A. Well, I would tell you that instead of thinking like that, our, uh, that God's will for our lives is like a blueprint, think about it like the God's will for your life is a lot more like a game plan. 
if you look at a coach, like let's say a basketball coach or like a football coach, they go into a game with a game plan. Lately, I've been playing a lot of chess with my daughter and, um, and my son. And the way that we play chess, you know, if you, if you learn any strategy in chess, you can learn game plans, but every game plan has to be flexible enough because you don't know what your enemy is going to throw at you. In the same way, we don't know what life is going to throw at us. It might throw at us, I don't know, let's say, how about a global pandemic? Well, the game plan doesn't change. The game plan has to be flexible enough, right? What we're called to do in Christ is flexible in the sense of it's not rigid like a blueprint. It's a game plan. Here's the good news about a game plan. In a game plan, there's room for error. With a blueprint, there's no room for error. But in a game plan, there is. You know, you can make a mistake and there, there could be a flag on the play. You might have a setback, right? You lose 15 yards or who knows what, right? But then you still get to go and play again on third down. There's still uh, another quarter to play in the game. You still can still get back out on the court in the sense of a game plan. And so I, I've known people who, um, because they think of God's will for their life as being like a blueprint, it paralyzes them in making decisions because they're absolutely terrified about doing the wrong thing. You know, what if I zig when God wanted me to zag and God's plan for the rest of my life is totally messed up? Um, but the good news is that that's not how it works. Um, God leads us in a game plan as opposed to a blueprint. And so what does it mean to be in the middle of God's will for your life? Here's exactly what it means. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Delight in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. It's the picture of Abraham, where God says to Abraham, he says, Abe, take my hand and walk with me. And Abraham says, well, how do I know I'm going the right way? He says, walk with me, and I'll make sure you get there. And that's, I got to tell you, that's hugely relieving when you begin to understand that God's game plan for your life is for you to walk with him, and he will direct your paths. Wow. All right, Pastor. I can't thank you enough. You've been a great help. Oh, George, God bless you. Thanks for the call. You too. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897 for the text line. Text us or call us with your questions about the Bible, with your prayer requests. We can't wait to hear from you. I see we've got a kind of a backlog of texts, and I'll try to get to some of those soon. But we always give priority to our callers. So let's go to our next caller, Lisa in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to the program. Hi. Hi. You're on the oh, air. Hello. Hi. Hi. So, um... I was listening to the program day before yesterday. I'm sorry. I was listening to the program day before yesterday, and I was really touched by um, how many people need help and prayer and the love of God. It, it, mm. it just touched me. I mean, I know this in reality, but it just touched my heart. Um, I would like prayer. My family has gone through big ordeal these past two years. My husband lost his son to um, fentanyl overdose. My granddaughter 
is 20 years old. She has two children that are 18 months and nine months. She went to jail for a murder that, of course, she didn't commit. She since then has been out of jail, but she is in a very, very dark place. She just left her children. I I have her children. I take care of her children. Had them for nine months. Um, my husband lost his father a month ago. It's just been a it's been a very big or it's been a very very big strain on us. And God, with God's strength, we're able to get through every single day. But you can never have enough prayer. And I pray for my granddaughter because she's such in a dark place and she's so young. Well, let's pray for your family, Lisa. That's a lot to be dealing with. So let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, we pray for Lisa, and we pray for her husband. Lord, as they're dealing with loss, as they're dealing with um, just darkness and, and evil touching their family, Lord, as they, they are raising their grandchildren, Lord, we pray, or their great-grandchildren, Lord, we pray for their strength. Lord, give them strength. Give them stamina. Give them ability. Give them wisdom. Lord, help them to create a godly legacy for their great-grandchildren. And Lord, thank you that the story isn't over with their granddaughter. Her story isn't over yet, Lord. And so we pray that you would take hold of her heart, Lord, that you would be the light that comes in and drives out the darkness in her heart and in her, in her mind, in her life. Lord, we ask for her to be set free and delivered by your power, Lord. We pray that you would bind the enemy from the ways that he wants to twist her life and wreck her. And Lord, we pray that you would set her free and let her experience the light of life. So Lord, we pray for Lisa and her husband. Lord, give them so much strength as they raise their great-grandchildren. And Lord, we just ask that you would please um, be with her in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, Jesus. Thank you so very much. God bless you, Lisa. That's a lot going on, and we look forward to hearing from you in the future to hear some good reports, okay? Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. Looks like let's go to our next caller, Kate in Longmont, Colorado. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the program. Oh, Kate might have dropped. I was warned about that. That's why I went to Kate so quickly. But we've got a little bit of time right now before the break. So let's pray for Kate's prayer request. I just see that she wanted prayer for her mom, who is getting older and had a botched surgery. And so let's let's be praying for her. Heavenly Father, we lift up to you Kate and her mom. But as her mom is getting older, as she's struggling with the repercussions of this uh, failed surgery or this messed up surgery, Lord, we just pray you be with her mother. Lord, give her a lot of comfort. Lord, be with her during this time. Lord, thank you that um, and as long as there's breath in our lungs, Lord, you have a purpose with our lives. You have a purpose for us, and Lord, you uh, desire a relationship with us. So, Lord, I pray that Kate's mom would know you, and Lord, that she would experience the comfort of your presence. Lord, we pray for Kate that you give her a lot of wisdom, and you give her a lot of strength with how to speak to her mom, how to help her mom, Lord, how to encourage her mom. And we pray that Kate, too, would be encouraged, Lord, that you would be with her and give her strength. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Kate. Sorry we didn't hear you, your voice on the air, but we uh, did pray for your prayer request. Hey, we're coming right up to our two-minute break right in the middle of the show. Every 
uh, show. We have a two-minute break right in the middle. Uh, so we've got less than a minute until that break. So when we come back, I'm going to go over to the text line. We've got a, quite the backlog of texts over there to look at and pray for and answer. But we've also got all open lines right now. So this would be a good time for you to call in. We'll get you on right after the break. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. With your Bible questions, with your prayer requests, give us a call. Or text us, 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897 for the text line. Again, my name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, and I am your host every Friday here on Calvary Live. We're going to be right back in two minutes' time after these messages. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. You can also call us with your prayer requests. Uh, if you have something going on in your life that you need prayer for, give us a call. We want to pray for you on the air, and we want to answer your questions you might have about the Bible, maybe something that's always confused you or something you're curious about. We'd love to hear from you. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Mary in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Mary. Welcome to the program. Hi, Mary, are you here? Okay. Mary uh, had a question about baptism, which I will answer, but first let's go to our next caller, Terry in Castle Rock. Hi, Terry. Welcome to the program. Thanks for taking my call. I really appreciate it. My question is about the commandment of thou shalt not commit murder. Yeah. I've been thinking about the executions, um, that are going on in various states um, from the criminals that are on death row. And I think about the person who actually has to perform the execution. And I know that God is just and that the criminals, you know, have been convicted. And this is the, um, you know, the punishment that the law has, you know, come down on them with. And I'm just wondering about the people who carry out the law. Are they going to be judged by murdering these people, is that is that murder or is this just in God's eyes? Thank you. Yeah, it's a great question and very relevant one. Uh, it's one I've been thinking about a lot. I uh, have kind of a side hobby where I like to read kind of classic literature, right? And uh, one of the classic books from the 20th century is the book In Cold Blood um, by Truman Capote. And I just, uh, that was actually the first book I finished this year. And, uh, you know, in that book, it's really interesting that you read this true story of the execution of two men in Kansas who committed a terrible murder. Um, but what you find there is that many of the uh, clergy and the pastors at the time were very adamantly and outspokenly against the practice of capital punishment because they believed that it went against the commandment not to kill. 
On the other hand, you have a view. So, so these views kind of fall into two categories, and there, there's a name for them both. Um, the, on the one hand, we have the view, which is called what you might call just war, meaning just in the sense of fair, just war, the viewpoint. And then the other view is more of a pacifist view. And th those are generally the categories they put them into, and they apply to this question of capital punishment as well, because we see that capital punishment was instituted in the Old Testament, and I think that the most relevant verse um, could be looked at in Romans chapter 13. And I'll just read you a few um, few verses here, but there's there's one particular verse that I think is very relevant. So I'll just start in verse 1. It says this, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. And here's the verse I wanted to point out. Verse 4, he is, For he is God's servant for your good, but if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath, on the wrongdoer. And so here's what we must understand about um, the, the, the way that in government as an institution has been ordained by God. And, and that is this, that there was a reason why in the Old Testament it was actually forbidden for a king to also be a priest. Now there were a couple instances where kings took it on themselves to act as priests. Two instances that I can think of, and they were both punished very severely. One was with King Saul, and he lost his kingdom essentially because of this. The other one was with uh, King Uzziah, who we read about. He's mentioned in um, Second Chronicles. Now, the reason why they were not to be both a king and a priest was because kings and priests had very different roles. Kings were mediators of God's judgment, as we read there in that verse, and priests were mediators of God's mercy. And now that mercy, of course, was on a spiritual level, but sometimes it had physical manifestations as well. And so the understanding there should just be this, that God has appointed these people. So to answer your question, is the person who does the executing, is that person committing murder and will they be judged for it? My understanding is, no, they will not be judged for it. They're doing their job. This is not the same as murder. Murder is when you take a life in a way that means that you have no right to be taking that life. In this case, essentially God is saying that he has instituted government in order to be his instrument for justice in the world. And in some cases, that might include even a loss of life. I would say that this is, in a, in a way, similar to, to, let's say, divorce. And here's why. Because in the case of adultery, Jesus said that divorce is permitted, but he didn't say that it was required. And so I would say that just in the same way that a person in the case of adultery in their marriage is not required to, be, to divorce their spouse, but they are allowed to. And in the sense that that allowance is not necessarily God's best, right? It's not God's desire. It's not um, the ideal. And yet it's allowed. I would say that this is a similar situation. 
or taking someone's life as a result of a very heinous crime is a prerogative which is given to governments, and yet I don't think it is the ideal. I don't think it is necessarily what God wants, even if he allows it. Okay. Well, you explained that really well. I took a lot of notes while you were writing, and one question popped up into my mind. And regarding life, and when does it start? I know that's a big, you know, question mark for some people, not for me, but for some people. And when the baby is born, we all know that the baby is alive in, in utero, but when the baby is born, is it God or the Holy Spirit that comes above up, upon the baby and breathes life into the baby? Or am I just not getting that part of Scripture back in the, um, you know, back in Genesis? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would say that that breathing, you, what you're referring to is found in uh, Genesis 2, right, where it says that God breathed life into this person's body that he formed right. out of the dust. Um, I would say that that's probably a little bit different of a scenario in the sense that that was a person who was created through what we might call an unnatural process, right? That was a supernatural process. And because of that, there's also a very symbolic element to this. Um, and I could I could go on for a very long time talking about the symbolic significance of Genesis uh, 1 and 2 that I think is often overlooked by people who um, they read it and they miss the symbolic significance because they're focused on the literal significance. And again, to believe in the, to, or to acknowledge the, the symbolic significance is not at all to diminish the literal significance at all. But here's, here's part of that si- symbolic significance is that the word um, breath, rauk actually in Hebrew, um, is the same word for spirit. And so it's this idea that a person has a spirit because God has breathed that spirit into them. But it's also symbolic. I mean, look at the picture we have of creation. It's a picture of God creating people dearly and lovingly. And that picture of breathing his breath into their life um, and giving them life through himself. It tells us a few things. God is the author of life, right? To be made in the image of God is to, um, to be to be having the life that he gave. And um, it's also, I mean, just think of this picture. You, what we have here is we have a picture of a God who gets his hands dirty, who has, uh, as one theologian puts it, he's a God with dirt under his fingernails because he reaches his hands in the dirt and forms this person out of the earth, right? He's a God who gets his hands bloody by doing surgery on Adam. And then what does he do? He puts his lips on the lips of the person he made of course, this is anthropomorphic, right? This is symbolic language. Um, but he's putting his lips on the person, almost kissing them in, into life. Um, so does that actually take place with every baby who is born? I don't actually believe so, because I believe that that's actually a natural process. But the symbolic element of that, of God, you know, lovingly breathing his life into that person, I think that's true. You know, does God form the person in their mother's womb? Yes. Does that mean that God has literal hands? Like we have hands and he reaches in there and does it? I would say no. And so again, that's anthropomorphic language. So uh, again, trying to understand a God who is other and different than us is really hard to do. And that's why we use these kinds of terms. But I would say that in that natural process, 
life is given by God, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the the Spirit uh, breathes life into every individual in the same way as as with Adam. Okay, that's really interesting because I, I interpret it as completely different. You know, going through Genesis, we're going through Genesis in our Bible study, and that just still that that breathing life into the animals. Um, that part of it and breathing life into Adam and Eve. And I just, um, cause I was like, well, how, you know, I mean, not that God can't do anything, but I was like, how's he going around and breathing all life in, <laughs> into all these animals? And, you know, he must have the, the Holy spirit doing that, you know? Right, right. Um, so I was trying to figure it out just rationally, but I know we have an irrational, um, in a positive way, God, um, yeah. you know, supernatural, <laughs> right. you can't really, yeah, supernatural. That's a good way to say it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I do appreciate you walking me through that because, you know, I, I guess, so then the Holy Spirit really comes upon us when we are baptized and we accept God into our hearts. Then that's really when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Is... Right. So you could put it this way. It says that we are born spiritually dead. You can read that in Ephesians chapter two, verse one. Uh, we're born spiritually dead, but then, but God has made us alive in Christ. That's verse 4 and 5. And he's seated us in the heavenly places with him, right? And so that's the good news of the gospel, that we were dead. And the thing about dead people is that they can't do anything to fix their deadness. They need outside intervention. They need a God to come and regenerate them, make them alive. And that's the good news okay. of the gospel. Well, thank you for your patience with me and throwing those extra few questions in there because it all tied into, you know, death and murder and that, that scenario. But I, I appreciate you letting me uh, get away with that. <laughs> Absolutely. I've got one last thought on that, and I do have other people waiting, but I do want to throw this one last thing out there. I mentioned the symbolic thing about creation. Here's what's really interesting. that you need One of the things that people often miss is that you need to understand the first 11 chapters of Genesis, while they are, I believe, literally true, they're also um, written the way they're written for a purpose. And one of the purposes they were written for was to counter or to dispel other notions of creation myths or stories that existed at the time or, or that went around, you know, stories that people would tell about creation. And a lot of those stories from the ancient Middle East, ancient Near East and Assyria and places like that, um, or the Chaldeans, etc., uh, they often described the creation of the world and the creation of human beings in terms like this, that it was uh, chaos, and there was a fight between a god and a demigod, right? And like good and evil were fighting, and then on accident, man was created out of this battle, and earth was created out of this battle that took place. In other words, it was created out of chaos, and therefore, who does that define us as? It defines us as the creation or the result of of a fight, of a battle of chaos, right? Uh, on the other hand, you have the Greeks. Their view of the creation of human beings was that God, the gods created the humans to do their work on earth to kind of relieve themselves of having to do work. And so, you know, the gods in Greek mythology, they're all kind of lazy. They like to party and have fun, and they created human beings to do their dirty work and so that they wouldn't have to get their hands dirty. And in contrast to that, you have this amazing story of Genesis, which, while again, I believe it's literally true, it's also symbolically true, and the, symbol, the symbolism of it is this, that rather than chaos, we see a God 
lovingly creating the world um, and then again putting his lips onto the people that he created getting his hands dirty forming them in love putting his lips on them and breathing his life into them is a much different picture and it tells us a lot about who we are to god and i think it's absolutely beautiful and amazing so uh, with that i gotta let you go terry god bless you thanks for calling all right bye-bye hey let's go to our next caller wani in strasburg colorado hi wani welcome to the program Hi, thank you so much for taking my call, Pastor Nick. And I finally I'm, pronounced your name correctly, didn't I? You did. <laughs> um, I'm kind of in a dilemma. I've been doing women's Bible studies for many years, and some of the bi- women's Bible studies that I've done with, um, I guess now they're international people, other women in the group are saying they've really gone astray. So uh, my question is, who, because we're looking for a new Bible study, and it's like, okay, who do we trust? <laughs> Where do we go? Um, and I attend a very small um, Calvary church in Bennett, but I'm just, do you have any recommendations? I mean, if the women at your, that you're, you know, this one of the shepherds over, if they said, Pastor Nick, who would you recommend for us to study next? What would you say? Yeah, great question, um, and I would tell them to talk to my wife because she's much more conversant in these things. She knows a lot more, and I'm trying to remember because she really likes one author, and I'm actually looking on our church's website right now, Okay. and I, and I know who this author is. Like, if I heard it, I'm just, it's not, uh, I'm just not. I'm writing this right down. <laughs> okay, I'm going to find it for you. She's a well-known um, Christian author and speaker and writes Bible studies, and they're, they're super good, high quality. Okay. And I'm going to do my best to find it for you as quickly as I can. <laughs> and I'm struggling to find it. Um, okay. But I, I do know that you are, to some degree, alluding to Beth Moore and asking, you know, what, what are, you know, what yeah. about Beth Moore? So, and, and Phyllis Schreier. Yeah. So I'm, I don't really know much about Phyllis Schreier, um, but I do know about Beth Moore pretty well. What I can tell you about Beth Moore is this. At the end of the day, Beth Moore is a Southern Baptist. Southern Baptists um, believe all the same doctrine that we do. Where Beth Moore has gotten herself in trouble is, or and I say trouble, meaning controversy. She stirred up controversy. was with some of her political statements. She's very much outspoken against Donald Trump. And the other thing was that um, really advocating for the position of women in ministry. Now, she's not advocating for women to be pastors. She's not advocating for um, those kind of things. And so I actually don't really have a problem with Beth Moore. I think that she's a very good teacher. And I know that, but I, but I, I respect people who say, you know, I just don't want to be associated with her. That's fine. Um, I am not finding this, um, this study that our women are doing. They have a book that they're reading, and it's really good. And I would love to tell you what it is, but I can't run out into. Oh yeah, there here we go. K. Arthur, thank you. Okay. I said my producer here is like, I don't know, is it K. Arthur? And I'm like, <laughs> Yep, it's K. Arthur. Okay, okay so that thanks. that would be kind of my top recommendation, K. Arthur. All right. Well, thanks so very very much. You bet. God bless you. Bye. All right. Bye bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air today. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible, as well as your prayer requests. We've 
going to go over to our text line here in a second, but we've still got time for a few more calls if there are any of you out there who would like to call in. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Okay, we had one question from Mary, and Mary asked this, how many times should you get baptized? She's been baptized three times once as an infant, once as an adult, and once again as an adult. Um, Mary, you know, there's a, a verse in Ephesians chapter 4 that says, you know, there's one Lord and there is one baptism, etc. Now that verse is sometimes used to say, hey, there's only one baptism, so there's no point in getting baptized more than once. And if you do get baptized more than once, then uh, that's bad. And on the other extreme of this, you have, some churches who require you to be rebaptized in their church in order to become a member. Um, I would say that I don't really agree with either of those. On the one hand, with the verse in Ephesians, it is not saying that you can only get baptized once. It is only saying that uh, no matter which group you get baptized in, you know, say you get baptized in the Ephesian church, and then you move to the city of Philippi and you start going to church there, uh, do you need to get rebaptized? And the answer is no. There's the same baptism. You know, and I, I would say that same thing. If if someone comes to my church, but they were baptized in the in some other church, um, I, I would generally say, hey, there's one baptism. There's no need for you to be rebaptized. In the case of somebody who was baptized as an infant and later on comes and says, hey, I I did not, of course, understand as an infant the gospel, and I didn't respond to it. I wasn't really a believer, but now I am. To that person, I would tell them there's kind of two ways to look at this. You can look at it as, number one, this is a confirmation of that baptism, or basically an, you activated the baptism, so to say. The, the baptism now has significance. You were baptized before you were a believer. Now that you're a believer, you could look at your baptism in that way. The other way to look at this is to say, well, I, I should now be baptized now that I am a believer because baptism is an outward declaration of something that God has done in my life. I would agree with that if somebody wants to do that. And we, we have done a lot of that um, as well. Uh, getting baptized multiple times, I would say, I don't think it's ideal, but I don't think that the Bible, um, Bible let's say, condemns it or, or says that you shouldn't do it. Um, so I, I definitely wouldn't encourage someone that they need to keep being baptized as they have, let's say as you backslide and then come back to the Lord, um, I don't think you need to be rebaptized. those kinds of things. So, so I think that baptism should be taken as a serious and solemn thing. We don't have a lot of guidelines for these things in the scriptures themselves, and so we're trying to connect the dots and, and make sense of it, um, but that's my take on it. I, I would take it on a case-by-case -case basis usually if somebody comes to me and says, hey, I was baptized as an adult, but I don't think I was really a believer, so now I would like to be baptized again. Generally, I, d I wouldn't uh, stop them from doing that, but um, I would want to take it on a case-by-case -case basis. So thanks for that question, Mary, and God bless you. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Now let's go to Tim on I-70. Hi, Tim. Welcome to the program. Oh, yes, Pastor. It's great to talk with you. You know, uh, I've been a very lucky man in the last uh, 
three or four months. Somehow, after things were stalling in Colorado, unfortunately, I've had many fine times here, but they were stalling quite a bit. And uh, I got uh, through Indeed.com. I, I had a miraculous transfer, uh, trans, transference to Missouri, Columbia, Missouri, mm. and got with somebody who really, really uh, I found out that's not exactly my town in Columbia. It's in the middle of the state. Uh, uh, but then something had broke suddenly out of nowhere up in Erie, Colorado, something even better. Uh, and I'm on the staff of a chiropractor. I'm actually helping to work on these two chiropractors uh, because I've got extensive ability with medical work and serious situations. Uh, but I'm on the road going there because... Uh, the Columbia, Missouri uh, lady offered me some very fine work for the weekend. And uh, I just want to pray for all people who are kind of been struggling. Sure. Um, you kind of cut out on me a little bit there, Tim. So I, I take it you wanted a, a prayer request for those who are struggling right now. I've also got a well, note yeah, here. Yeah, okay, everybody. Or sometimes we don't know where we're supposed to be and life changes suddenly. Going there was amazing. I got a, a special license to work there, but uh, and I'm only going because uh, I heard directly on a text that uh, I'm set up with some very important things to do, or I probably wouldn't have gone. I just would have uh, said I can't make it anymore. Uh, but uh, I think what I represent in this moment is many people who have had to change their lives, go in different directions, and are trying to find the true path. Mm. Uh, uh, through all that we've gone through. So I think that's probably the most important thing. I know I'm not the only one. Sure. I don't know, if Tim, if you heard our uh, discussion with somebody earlier in the show. We were talking about the will of God, and the analogy I used is that um, the good thing, and, and it's very comforting, is that the will of God for our lives is a lot more like a, um, is a, lot more like a game plan than it is like a blueprint. And so I think in the, that's really helpful in situations like this where you're like, I've got two different job opportunities, and they could lead me in two different directions. Just this past Sunday, I was teaching on Acts chapter 16 at our church here in Longmont. And, you know, that's a really interesting uh, story because what happens is that Paul, he says, you know, he had this big plan. He's going to go to Ephesus, which is in the province, the Roman province of Asia, and he says that he tried to go there, but the Holy Spirit forbade him from going. So he said, okay, I guess I recalculate, go somewhere else. That didn't work out. So he tries to go to Bithynia. But then it says the Holy Spirit forbids him from going there, which is kind of weird, right? Like you would think the Holy Spirit would be in favor. Like the Holy Spirit's probably trying to prod people to preach the gospel and plant churches. And here's a guy out there trying to do it. And the Holy Spirit's like, no, you know, you'd think that the Holy Spirit might uh, stop you from cheating on your taxes or from robbing a 7-Eleven. But why would the Holy Spirit stop you from preaching the gospel and starting churches? And what we find is that in the end, the Holy Spirit, by closing those doors, was trying to lead Paul to Macedonia. And great things happened there. But you can imagine, just in the middle of that, Paul must have been so frustrated. He must have been like, you know, did I go left when God said to go right? Did I miss the turn back in Albuquerque? Like, what, what did I do wrong? And... Yes. And uh, the good news is that God's plan for our life is much more like a game plan than like a blueprint. And so here's what I would say to somebody trying to decide between two job opportunities. I'd say, seek the Lord, pray about it. If you don't get a clear answer, A or B, do the one that you want to do 
and take the Lord's hand and walk with him and walk closely with him. And he's going to direct your paths. And it's going to uh, be good. something says to me to stop and turn back and come back to uh, Colorado, I will. You see, I'm listening yeah. for the Holy Spirit because I, I'm trying to uh, help somebody who really believes in me there, but I do believe that's over with, you see. Uh, so, uh, but that's not, I'm not the, I'm not the all-knowing person. <laughs> for sure. Well, let's pray for you, Tim. Uh, we've got just enough time left in our show for that, so let's do it. Lord, we pray for Tim. We, uh, we pray for others, too, who are navigating situations in their lives where maybe they have a choice between two different options. And Lord, we pray for Tim that you would make it very clear that he would hear your voice, that he would truly take your hand and walk with you. And Lord, help him that he would do that. Uh, we pray that you'd be with him, strengthen him, use him in Missouri, but also, Lord, show him if you want him to come back. We, we give you uh, the glory and just total surrender to your life. That's, that's the idea. And so, Lord, we, we are total surrender to your will for our lives and total surrender to what you want and the leading of your Holy Spirit. So we pray that you bless Tim and bless others who are seeking your will. In Jesus' name, amen. These, these last year and a half has been so challenging and uh, for so many, and the thing is here I have a most beautiful thing in Erie, Colorado, because it's, uh, it's just hard to, I don't want to lose it. I'm going to have to let you go, Tim, because we really have reached the end of our program. There's the music. Tim, God bless you. Hey, the rest of you listening, God bless you. Thanks for tuning in today. You can tune in every weekday, 4 to 5 p.m. for Calvary Live. I will be with you again next Friday. And God bless you. Have a great weekend. And I hope you have a blessed time at your church this weekend and a great drive home. God bless you guys. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.